Tanaka, and this episode I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture titled The Dreamer from 1965. Tonight our subject is the dreamer. The Bible begins really with the dream where all are placed into a profound sleep, and God placed a profound sleep upon man, and he slept. Not a thing is said through scripture save the appeal to God, not to man but to God, to awaken from this sleep. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, Ephesians 5.14. Rouse thyself, O God, why sleepest thou, Psalm 44.23. Throughout all, the entire book, it's an appeal to God, who imposed upon himself this dream. Now, science may speculate and bring in all kinds of theories in the world concerning a dream, but I have never read where any scientist ever succeeded in in impaling a dream upon a pen. They can't take it and really impale it and analyze it to my satisfaction. But tonight we'll take these dreams for you and show you what we really are here in this fabulous world of ours, which really is a dream within a dream. This whole vast world of ours is but a dream, and it's a dream within a dream. This morning at 4.15 I woke and I didn't want to get up at 4.15, so I said to myself, I will go back to sleep, but before I returned to that state of sleep, I communed with self and requested that I would be favored with an experience, a dream, or an ecstasy, not something that I've ever had before, something different, something that had great significance and was very informative, and so I fell off into the deep once more into sleep. Then I woke at 6.15, two hours later, and this is the experience that came back with me. I found myself in the apartment house where we, as a little family of three, lived for 13 years and eight months, 145 West 55th Street. The same superintendent was there. His name was Eddie Fox. When I lived there with my little family, we had operators. The elevator was operated by individuals, but now it was a push-button affair. I started from the ground floor into, and a man started before me, and Eddie Fox said, let Mr. Goddard, he called me Goddard, he said, let Mr. Goddard get in first. So I got in, and then two men got in with me. Then Eddie said to me, what floor, Mr. Goddard? <clears throat> I said six. Well, I didn't live on six, on the sixth floor, before I occupied the penthouse. I had a duplex, and we were on the 15th and 16th floors before. We had the 15th floor, which was our living quarters, and then we had this lovely upstairs to 16th floor, sort of a playroom, and then a lovely garden. And there we were for those many years, 13-odd years. So I got into the elevator, and I descended, and I got off at the 6th floor. Then I realized this is not where I lived. I don't live here. The two men got off on the same floor, and I said, You know, this is the strangest thing. This has never happened to me before. I've never suffered from amnesia. But right now I do not know where I live. I can't remember where I live. And they could not help me at all. There I stood in this little hallway the elevator had gone beyond. And I'm trying to remember where I live. I know I don't live here. Then I said to myself, you know, this may be a dream. And if it is a dream, there is somewhere in this fabulous universe where I am asleep. For if it is a dream, I am dreaming this, and I must be sleeping, dreaming this. 
and if I am dreaming this, well then the chances are that I am laying down, and I am sound asleep dreaming this now. At that moment I tried to remember where, where could I be asleep? It wouldn't come back, not a thing would come back. Then I felt the feeling of being horizontal and sleeping. As I felt that motion I'm horizontal and sleeping, I found myself on a bed, and I deliberately would not open my eyes. I wouldn't open my eyes. I wanted to find out exactly where I am. I couldn't. I thought, where am I? I would not allow myself to open my eyes on the familiar objects on the wall that I would relate to a certain position in space. I tried to remember, but I couldn't bring back where I am. I couldn't. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the little word Carol came into my mind. Carol Drive, 1025. At that moment, I didn't hear the voice, but from the depth of my soul, that being which is my own inner being, my deep being, that is dreaming this without the use of words, said to me, You asked for it. I heard it without hearing words. You asked for it. Because I requested, before I dropped into the deep, having awakened at 4.15, and decided not to get up, but to go back to sleep, I asked for an experience that would be significant. Something that would be informative. Something that would be great, that I could talk about and tell the whole vast world the great secret of creation. And that's what happened to me. Well, what is the story behind it all? Here's a dream within a dream. Is this but a dream? I say it is. It is a dream. This whole vast world is a dream. And when I read that story in scripture and when he is about to awaken in this world, it comes in the form of a dream. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream and told him of the birth of the Savior of the world. And then, at the very end of the story, we are told that when Pilate sat upon his throne, his judgment seat, that his wife sent a messenger, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have been greatly troubled this day in a dream because of him. So the whole thing was a dream. Now, can I dream into being from the depth that my own being dream the kind of a world that I want? I can. That's the story. He planned it all, and he is not diverted from his dream. I am his emanation, his bride until the dream is at an end. He becomes one with his emanation at the very end of the dream, as told us in scripture. He leaves all and cleaves to his wife until they become one person. But I am his emanation, his wife, until this wonderful sleep is over. Until it's over, I am in this world, his projection, his emanation. And here is this thing called man. Well, how can I in some way take the same technique and dream in my world of Caesar, as he has determined to dream me into his own being and become one with it? I recall back in 1948, my father heard me for the first time. I started lecturing in 1938, then the war broke. He couldn't come to America, and in 1948 he came to America and he heard me for the first time. After that lecture that morning, we all came home to have lunch, and he said, You know, my son, everything you said this morning I would agree with, all but one. You told people to close their eyes when they meditate, when they begin to assume and to visualize 
or objectives. Don't. Don't close the eyes completely. If you close your eyes and revere, that tends to a night dream, and this is a daydream. The daydream, you must have the eye ajar, but not shut, just partly closed. While I cannot deny my father's suggestion, not because he's my father, but here was a man who started behind the eight ball in life. No education, no social background, no intellectual background. But nothing. I mean, behind the eight ball in the true sense of the word. And when he died at the age of 85, he could leave a fortune to his ten children. He raised ten children and never once inherited one nickel from anyone, and could, at the end of his 85 years, leave to his ten children a considerable fortune running into multiple millions. Every day my father would sit in the silence with his eyes partly shut, and he would look and see what he wanted to see. He would control it by not closing the eye, and he said to me, If you close the eye, you're drifting right into a night dream. Where your attention is not controlled by you, it controls you. You go right into a night dream. If you don't close the eye, you can see what you want to see. And the whole thing comes to pass in this world. Everything as you see it. So tell your people the next time not to close the eye, but to simply bring it in, or bring it into a partial closing state, a jar. And bring before your mind's eye, while the eye is not completely shut, exactly what you want to see. Carry on all the conversations that would imply the fulfillment of your desire, and do it in that way. And here was a man who was talking to me, who died at the age of 85. But long before he died, he made his fortune. I don't really believe my father ever did a dishonest thing in this world. I do not believe he ever did. I really believe it's my deep conviction about my father. Why, I don't know. I think all of us, the ten of us, feel this way about him. He met my mother when she was about three years old and he was about eight. It was a romance from the time they were eight and three. Then when she was 18, they got married. He said to my little niece, So we give this fabulous party for you today. Champagne is flowing like a river. Everything. When I married your grandmother, I could ill afford a half pint of rum. So they had a half pint of rum to celebrate the union, this wonderful wedding. But he went on with this simply partly closing the eye and controlling his attention and seeing what he wanted to see. He called it the daydream. The daydream does not differ from the night dream, save that in the daydream you are in control or you ought to be in control. In the night dream it takes over, unless you persuade yourself before you sleep to favor you with a dream that will be informative, and then it will do it. But if you don't, and you sleep after all the distress of the day, all the headlines of the day, all the newspapers of the day, and all of the radio and TV bulletins of the day, that's what you get in the course of the night. That's confusion. That's a nightmare. But if you do it in this way, and he showed me exactly how he went about making his fortune in this world. So I say, the Bible has only one source of dream in this world. All dreams, all visions stem from God. There is no other source of dream in Scripture. And if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will speak unto him in a dream. I'll make myself known unto him in a vision. Numbers 12, 6.
And throughout the entire scripture, it's all God speaking. Well, who spoke to me this morning? The depth of my own soul. And it seemed at that very moment he was trying to entice me into a discovery of myself. For then I felt, I didn't hear the words, but I felt, you asked for it. I distinctly asked for an experience that would be unlike what I have ever had before. But it had to be instructive, informative, something that I could share with the whole vast world and that they would actually understand the great secret of creation. And the whole thing came in this peculiar manner. Here I am, I didn't know where. I had forgotten where I laid myself down to dream. Everyone has forgotten where he laid himself down because the being that you really are that is in a profound sleep is God himself. You laid yourself down to dream and you are dreaming what you are now, but this projected you can also dream for the whole thing began as a dream and the end is a dream. So while we're here, if I could only catch him and know how to dream here as the depth of my soul has dreamt me into being and is continuing his dream, for I am told, as I have planned it, so shall it be, as I have purposed it, so shall it stand, Isaiah fourteen twenty four. No power in the world can stop my predetermined dream. It's a dream. What is this predetermined dream? That I shall wake my emanation. He fell in love with me. He fell in love with you. And you are unique. And no one in this world can take your place. There's no power in the world that can modify you in the eyes of the one who is dreaming you. You can modify the dream out here, the world of Caesar, but no one can feel your, fulfill your place. You are unique. And when you find the dreamer, he's actually enticing you moment after moment to find him. And the moment you find him, the being that really had dreamt you into being, you awaken, and you are he. So this whole vast world is but a dream. So when the poet asks the question, is all that we see or feel but a dream within a dream? And then in the same poem, this is Edgar Allan Poe, he answers it. Instead of asking the question, he affirms it. All that we see or feel is but a dream within a dream. Now take the great revelation of the name of God and reverse it the same way that Poe did. I am that I am. That's affirmative. Am I that? Am I? And use the word that as the dreamer. Am I the dreamer? Am I? And then come back to the affirmative. I am. You mean I brought this whole vast world into being? Yes, I did. I wish I could share it in the most intimate way with you that I experienced it this morning. No desire to get up. 4.15. Only musing with self. Give me an experience. Bring it forth in the form of a dream or an ecstasy. Either one. To me, ecstasy is vision. A place like this, more clear than this, where everything is solidly real. Just like this. Bring it either in dream or bring it just like this. But make it informative. Make it something that is so significant that I can tell it to the world and share it with them to show the secret behind it all. Then that strange feeling that possessed me at the very end. You asked for it. You could almost hear the words coming through, but they weren't words. I have heard the words time and time again. 
but this morning they were not words it was simply a mood that possessed me as though he was simply kidding me just playing with me you asked for it didn't you i did ask for it and here i am with complete amnesia i didn't know where i was yet this vivid picture same apartment house the same eddie fox who was the super the same building i got off at the sixth floor which is significant on the sixth day he made man here on the sixth floor i got off you are coming to the end neville let us make man in our image genesis one twenty seven i pushed that button the sixth floor got off on the sixth and this is not where i belong i don't belong here on the sixth floor i belong with the dreamer who dreamed man into being not with that which is dreamed into being but the dreamer that's where i belong i couldn't find myself placed on the sixth floor there was no room there for me not a thing seemed right and i couldn't remember where i laid myself down to sleep but i did somewhere i laid myself down to sleep and as i dreamed a dream i dreamed i am he then my mind goes back to that experience that i think i've shared with many of you who are here tonight some have heard it but many years ago i had this experience which would be the 42nd psalm if you understand the 42nd psalm verse 4 where we went in great joy to the house of god this night in question i found myself in this enormous crowd a sea of humanity and as i walked with them and they're all in gay attire oriental darks very colorful i heard the voice the voice screamed out and god walks with them a woman to my right a very attractive lady in her late thirties in all the arabic costumes and she questioned the voice she said if god walks with us where is he and the voice answered at your side she turned to her left and looking into my face she became became hysterical it struck her so funnily that i could be the one spoken of she questioned the voice and she said what is neville god and the voice answered yes in the act of waking then the same voice from the depths of my soul this time audibly or audible only to me but not to others and the voice said i laid myself down within you to sleep and as i slept i dreamed a dream i dreamed and knew the end of the sentence i became so excited i couldn't wait for the end and at that moment i felt these vortices nail me to this body my hands became vortices my feet vortices my head a vortex and my right side a vortex and here i am nailed to this thing this body and the voice said yes <coughs> excuse me in the act of waking so here the same dreamer this morning but he didn't speak where did he lay himself down to dream that he's you he laid himself down within you that's where he laid himself down he is within you dreaming that is you and when he awakes you are he this whole vast world is god dreaming that he's you when he completely awakes you are god and you will see the oneness of us all no one greater than the other no one you and i might have had horrible dreams some dream of these mountainous states and others dream of wonderful pastures easy lives perfectly all right not one is greater than the other 
So the individual may have this uh, most mountainous climb, and he thinks that marvelous. Perfectly all right. That's your dream. Others will hear, Oh, isn't it marvelous to hear of green pastures for nice, wonderful sheep? And you dream of that. So it's entirely up to the dreamer. Just as he dreamed this wonderful one into being, he allows this wonderful one, as he puts him through all of the great furnaces of affliction, to dream and comfort all of these things in the world. So you could this night take the most glorious concept of yourself. I don't care what it is. Believe me, my father never had a nickel, not a penny, and today the estate he's left his ten exceeds $25 million. And he didn't enter politics to get it, may I tell you? It didn't come from politics. It didn't come from anything that is subversive. It's just from his daily dreams. He would sit in the silence. I can see him now in what I call in Barbados a Burmese chair. It comes from Demera, or Demera, De, okay, let me say this, Demerara. So it's D-E-M-E-R-A-R-A. It's a chair with elevated, extended arms. He put his feet out, and they were elevated. There he would sit after breakfast, which was served uh, him about 10.30 in the morning. That was what we called breakfast in the West Indies. The breaking of the fast for my father was simply a cup of coffee early in the morning. But then what he called breakfast would be around 10.30, and that would be like our dinner, a good substantial meal. Then he would sit quietly with the eyes partly shut and see all of the transactions of business of the day, as he wanted them to be. Not as they could, or not as they could be if others interfered, as he wanted them to be. Day after day he did it, with the eyes partly shut, that it may not float into the night dream, that he may control it in the daydream. For he knew his Bible better than any ministers in the island. It's the one book that he read, and he read it day after day after day, and he understood his Bible. Never read any other book. All the others were brilliant scholars, but they didn't understand the Bible, any more than the brilliant ones today understand the Bible. My Time magazine came today. Well, it's almost ridiculous to read the religious page today. Here is this fantastic power in the world. And when you see what they own in Italy, all under the guise of being prophets of the Lord, well, they are really prophets of the Lord. But no prophets, their prophets spelled differently. They own 15% of all that is put on the stock market in that land and can threaten then that if you are going to tax us, we are the only tax-exempt holders of this stock. All the others pay taxes, but we don't pay taxes. And if you threaten us to tax us, we will sell overnight and the market could cr would crash. And they represent this great mystery. They haven't the slightest concept of the great mystery. Now let me tell you how it comes to an end. It comes to an end in the simplest way. You can't conjure it. Not a thing you can do until you wait for the birth. It comes to an end in this manner. Suddenly, Jesus Christ awakens in you. Jesus Christ, as you, finds God's only begotten Son, and he calls you Father. And then you know who you are. Then Jesus Christ in you tears the temple in two from top to bottom. And Jesus Christ in you, as the Son of Man, ascends that spine of yours as a fiery serpent. 
then the holy spirit in bodily form as a dove descends upon you and smothers you with affection because his work is done and you've come to the end of the dream so your dream is over and you only wait the lingering days until you take off this garment for the last time and find that you who began the whole dream you've awakened with an increased power for there is no limit to that expansion of god there is no limit to the translucency of god there is only a limit to the contraction of god to the opacity of god so man is that limit man is that contraction and god becomes man so that man may become god so then he expands and the end of his dream as man which was predetermined comes in these simple simple pictures four simple little events all in man so start this night and take my father's advice who made the fortune i don't think very many people in this world can leave 25 million bucks to a family it's not a public company it's a private company he could turn to the ten of us and give us this sort of money he himself not once did he ever take one nickel from another may i tell you if you're not educated he wasn't by our standards he would not have gone beyond a couple of grades in high school a man who loved people people loved him strapping fellow six foot two six foot three maybe and just a generous wonderful fellow who just loved but day after day seven days a week he practiced as though he were really a concert artist he wouldn't let days go by because it was another day he sat every day and did it the only criticism he had of me was i told the people to close the eye and he said to me that leads only to a night dream don't close the eye if you don't close the eye it's a daydream and the daydream must be controlled the night dream belongs to the depth of your soul that's the deeper you and it will take all the energy of the world and clothe itself to educate your mind here but on this level don't close the eye if you don't close the eye you have control and then you can control the daydream this is the daydream while he is bringing into being his predetermined picture no one can stop it no power in the world is going to stop him so you read the papers and you read all these headlines that this country is going to take over that country and what should our president do everyone is so uh so blank there's a word missing and they're all so wise last night i came home and turned on tv and got this lovely cinderella so here was cinderella well i was too lazy to get up and turn off the thing and then came the great mentor mr lipman i was too lazy to turn him off so i sat and looked and listened to all this wonderful but what we should do and what china could do and what they'll do this strange peculiar picture has nothing to do with god's dream and yet a brilliant mind his choice of language his choice of words perfect but my laziness allowed me to see this thing coming into being well how many saw it last night i don't know here was this considered brilliant brilliant mind analyzing exactly what we as a country should do uh there's a word missing influence word missing right the president he may be persuaded i don't know that's not what to do close your eyes just a little bit and see what you want to see don't hate anyone in this world if you want to leave something behind leave it behind but don't just rub it out leave it behind you 
Others can enjoy it. What I discard today, someone will enjoy tomorrow. I have a lovely maid. I don't wear things out before I give them away because I don't want people to give me something worn out. And so if something, just a little broken seam, I will say, now doors, there's a broken seam on the shirt. You take it. So my wife said to me tonight, Neville, she'll catch on after a while and she'll make a little broken seam there. I said, no, she won't. Perfectly all right. So you just don't wear her thing out and give it away. Someone will use it. So don't think for one moment what others will do with it. What do you want in this world? Do you want to be wealthy? If you really want to be wealthy, you can be. If you want to be healthy, to be known. I don't care what you want to be in this world on this level. It's all within the framework of God's plan because you and he are one in the depths of your soul. I heard the words distinctly. He laid himself down within me, or within you, to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed a dream. He didn't lay himself down out there to dream me. He is in me, dreaming me. So when sitting in this New York City, or in my dreams, standing in this little corridor, wondering, where am I dreaming? There's some place where I must be sound asleep, dreaming this. Well, if this is your dream, where am I dreaming? And I couldn't bring it back. I just couldn't remember where I fell asleep to dream this dream. But I must be dreaming someplace. And then I felt myself on the bed. And then that wonderful, whimsical little feeling, you asked for it. But oh, what a revelation. And then comes the memory of that moment in time when I walked with this enormous crowd towards this invisible heavenly state. The voice said to me, I laid myself down within you to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and I knew exactly what he is dreaming, that he's me. And when I awake from this dream, I am he. He and I are one, so this is the story. So tonight, take your glorious dream, your wonderful dream, I don't care what it is. Make it fit that wonderful statement in the Sermon of the Mount. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Does it fit that? All right, then the dream is perfect. Let it fit that statement. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And if that fits it, well, then dream it. See it clearly in your mind's eye and believe in the reality of this imaginal act and it will come to pass. No power in the world can stop it. And then will come this fantastic experience in your life when everything said of Jesus Christ you will experience. I was coming home from a funeral about a year ago and a lady said to me, who drove the car, First of all, she said, you know, our friends in the back, and it's a lovely, sweet Japanese couple. And she said to me, they are Catholics. Well, I was pleasantly surprised because automatically you think of Japanese as Buddhist. At least I did. She said they are Catholics. Then said to me, I'm a Christian scientist. And I said, that's all right. Then she said to me, what are you? I said, I'm a Christian. She said, I took that for granted, but I mean, what kind of Christian? Are you a Catholic? Are you Protestant? I said, no, just a Christian. Well, that made no sense whatsoever to her. I'm a Christian. Well, you must be a Protestant of some kind, or you must be a Catholic of some kind. You're not a Christian scientist. I said, no. Are you unity? No. Religious scientist? No, none of these isms whatsoever. I'm just a Christian. And then I thought, well, now... Can she take it? Then I told her, I'm a Christian. 
because Christ has been resurrected in me. He's born. He's been born in me. He's discovered the Son of God as his Son in me. He has lifted himself up in me in serpentine form. He's split the temple of my body in me. And then the dove descended upon me and smothered Jesus Christ in me with affection. That was uh, something blank. There's a word missing. And they all returned home. So whether she thinks me insane or not, I don't really know. But that is my story. I'm a Christian because I have experienced the Christian mystery. Not because of the accident of birth. So I say to everyone here, you will one day. And I say to everyone, you will have the identical experience because there is only that story to be told in the world. There is no other story. They try to make it into all kinds of forms, yet there is no other story. The story of God's salvation. He emanated himself, fell in love with his emanation, took himself through the dream world, which is a horrible state, and then completely limited himself to his emanation, and they fused and became one. And then God awoke, and he and his emanation, his bride, were one. Now, let us go into the silence. All right, so there we have Neville Goddard's lecture from 1965, titled The Dreamer. All right, thank you once again for joining me for um, this lecture, and I will see you next time. Bye now.